Join Chris Barsby from 11am Eastern for the latest news on the Trotters and Pacers. Mobile Rolling on Radio Tab. Straight quarter and 27.6. Old Town Road waiting the passing lane. Self-assured's about to get to the outside then no matter what. Homeward bound in the race by Grins for 2023. Copy that Old Town Road Akita. Here's Self-assured. The big gun's about to fire. Molina copy that. Old Town Road. Self-assured down the outside. It's copy that though. Copy that. He adds the race by Grins to his already magnificent CV and copy that for the race by Grins in 2023 over Old Town Road. They were followed in by Self-Assured. Then came Better Eclipse further back at Cuda. Nicholas Cage, he's gone all right. Further back, Kango, no matter what, went for a late gallop. Further back, BD Joe. And unfortunately, a triple eight. He galloped at about the 900 and he has been pulled up on the journey. And they have absolutely smashed the track record here at Cambridge. 236.4. He's a beauty, copy that. And just watching that replay again, Chris, he, Blair Orange was pretty kind to him over the closing stages. It was quite a soft victory. Yeah, absolutely. He was a dominant winner there, Steve. Good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. We get to see him again this Friday night when he lines up in the Taylor Mile. And I'm certain he's won this race previously. And he's drawn ideally, Steve. He's clearly going to be the horse to beat because he'll run from gate two. And there's every chance that he's going to find the front and prove the other uh, horse to run down if they can. It's a pretty good lineup. There's many that are backing up out of that race from Cambridge last week. We're back at Alexandra Park for this race, the Taylor Mile. So it's going to be very interesting. But uh, he is clearly the horse to beat. Copy that. Merv Butterworth, the lucky part owner of this horse, is with us. How are you, Merv? Very good. Thank you, Chris. And you? It's Steve, yeah, it's really Steve well. as well, Merv. Did you enjoy some grins, some of that beverage after the win? The, tr the reality, Chris, is I was in hospital um, and I was having a umbilical hernia operation and I said to the, the quack, you can't give me too much of that sleepy stuff. I've got to be awake by, by 10 to 7 Melbourne time. I've got a race to watch. So, and I was on doctor's orders, no alcohol for 24 hours before and after. <laughs> So they did the right thing by you and uh, you were able to tune in and watch the race, what, on an iPad or something? Yeah, in the recovery room on, on my iPad. Um, um, I thought they were going pretty fast, but I think that was the anaesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> Merv, were you surprised how easily he got the front when Old Town Road sort of you know, let, him, let him cross? So did you know it was all over after a couple of hundred or not? Before... As soon as the barrier drawers came out, Chris, without without having a mental um, um, attitude, um, Old Town Road isn't possessed with a lot of early speed. It's young all the way up, and second prize is one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Zach Butcher is very, very, a very smart driver, and. He would have thought, uh, I'll hand up to copy that. I'll sit behind him. If I can't beat him, I'll run second. And there was nothing on his outside that had the capability of um, passing copy that thereafter. And the drivers knew that. So uh, to me, it was it was one of the easiest one of the easiest races to 
to forecast how it was going to be run. So where does that victory rank compared to his two New Zealand Cup victories? Oh, you can't beat winning a New Zealand Cup. Yeah. I haven't won a Melbourne Cup, but I reckon it's better. Okay. It is something special winning that New Zealand Cup. Well, you've done it three times. Each one was special and each one was better still. Mm. Yeah. Is there a chance he that... can do a three-peat later this year, copy that? There's every chance he'll be there. And at this stage, unless something jumps out of the woodwork and there's no no evidence of that, maybe that good horse of Barry Purden's, um, what do you call it? Um, oh, Merlin? Merlin, the good three-year-old. Um, yep. I don't know whether they'd put him in a two-mile race this year or not, but he could possibly be the only the only one that we would have to worry about. Okay. okay. So here you are in a uh, recovery room after a little procedure there on Friday night. And as we know, Ray Green, the trainer of Copy That, he's been to Helen back over the last six to 12 months. He's had his fair share of uh, stints in hospital as well. I'm tipping it would have been a very emotional and special performance uh, and, and, and a thrill to win that race there on Friday night. Well, there I was propped up in bed on my own. A bit loud, but it didn't worry me. Um, my wife Meg was watching it at home. She was dancing or jumping up and down more like it. She scared the cat to death. It went and hid under the bed. Um, I phoned her straight after the race. She was half in tears. I think I was too. And it, it was emotional. Um, we'd planned it. We, we, that, that was the plan, to, to win that race. And uh, everything unfolded the way we, we planned it to or wanted it to. And and for Ray, I couldn't I couldn't think of a better gift for Ray. You know, he's such a tough bugger. He's he's back driving horses on the track now, and it wasn't that long ago that he, he thought he saw the the bright lights upstairs. Yeah. In his words. Yeah. Well, he said something that really made my ears prick up after the victory there on Friday night. He he ranks copy that above Sir Lincoln and I, I don't mean to downplay what Sir Lincoln did but that that's rare air you, you don't hear Ray sort of talk down about Sir Lincoln and I'm not saying he was doing it in a, in a derogatory manner but he, he says copy that is clearly the best horse that he has trained yes yes and and the best horse we've owned um, and 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 he, frankly is the best horse in New Zealand Um mm. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, we've met self-assured, I think, six times. He's beaten us once. That was two starts ago. And he beat us in the um, New Zealand Cup three years ago when there was a debacle at the start. Yeah. We are being held at the start and self-assured got a, a, a flying start and it should have been called a no-race. They sacked the starter after that race, mm. um, so that and and self-assured as one horse of the year 
I think, two times now. And we've beaten him um, at least three times. But we're catching up. We'll catch him. No doubt. We'll we'll win Horse of the Year this year. Well, his record as it stands right now, 63 starts, 33 wins, 15 minors, earning just shy of $2 million. He is the best horse in New Zealand. But do you feel that you've got to keep sort of proving the point to, to, to one and many that he is the number one horse in New Zealand? Uh, critics are funny people. Um, mm. the, the press have their own opinions. Uh, they're the people that vote for the Horse of the Year awards. There's nothing you can do to change their mind once they've made it up. Um, it, it doesn't worry me if we don't win it. Um, we win the races. Um, oh, sorry, I should say, it, it won't worry me if we're not awarded the trophy. Um, all, all his followers, all the copies, that fans know how good he is. And that's all that yeah. counts. Yeah. Hey, this race on Friday night, the Taylor Mile, he's won it previously, hasn't he? Yes, two years ago. And he couldn't win it. The uh, he, he couldn't run in it the, the following year because um, uh, of his... Um, Accident in um, in Melbourne. He was out of. I'm pretty sure that's correct. He was out of racing the following year. Does he win again this Friday night, Mer? That something bad would have to happen for him to. Um, he only has to do what he did last Friday. It's the same field. Mm, I mean, yeah. What? What? And the the mile the distance the mile distance will suit him right down to the ground. Um, Blair and copy that are twins. They know one another so well that I mean, what 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 else can I say? It's yeah. It's it's made made to suit. So he, he starts this Friday night. The following week, he's got the Messenger, and then you've got the Auckland Cup coming up in May. So are they the next big targets for him? Well, the four races that are, um, that are available are, um, you're correct, next, this Friday is the Taylor Mile. That's a $90,000 race. The following week is um, the Messenger, um, also a $90,000 race. Then there's the Roy Purden Memorial on the 19th of the 5th, which seems to be good timing. And that's a maximum handicap of 20 metres, which would, would suit us down to the ground. And given that he's one off, what, I think 18 metres um, handicap, and then the week after that is is the Auckland Cup. So it could be that Ray may decide he can't run in all of them, but they're well-spaced. The latter half, um, Messenger, Roy Purden and, and the Cup. So more than likely, his recovery rate is so good, so fast. Ray said he's the perfect horse in terms of looking after himself, uh, recovery rate, heart rate, nothing worries him. 
Um, he'll go back to the barn, eat up, gallop around the next day. Um, so I, I, I imagine there'd be in all those those four races. Okay. Queensland in July, is that a possibility? Depends how he goes at in those four races. If he if he goes through them easily and without any mishap, without any negatives, it's a hundred percent, one hundred percent. But you know what horses are like; they're perfect this morning and this afternoon. There's something wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a quick update: sharp and smart. Yeah, he's been out in the paddock now for two weeks. He'll be out in the paddock for another six weeks. And he'll have a couple of runs in New Zealand. Then he'll come over to Melbourne for the the the, the Cups Carnival. Merv, it's Steve. Uh, what did you make of his Derby performance, ATC Derby? Typically honest, he ran fourth the Major Beal. Yeah, it was it was a super run. You always get disappointed when you don't win a race, but when you do the post mortem and check things out, the stewards told. Graham Rogerson, he ran the last, the fastest last three furlongs of any non-sprint race on the day. He came from Barrier 17. Um, he really doesn't handle that cluggy type track. Hugh Bowman said he was spinning his wheels the whole way. He got galloped on behind a couple of times and he ran fourth. Um, there wasn't much more he could do. Well, he but he did finish. He did finish off faster than anything else yeah. in the race. Well, he hasn't run poorly yet uh, from just his 12 starts. So you probably go through that Spring Triple Crown series over there in a couple of those early legs, and then get into the Caulfield Cup, Melbourne Cup. Yes, 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 yes. And we've had any... had an invite just... to go to Hong Kong um, a, a few weeks after that. The Vars for a race. Mm. Um, don't know what Hong Kong's like now, yeah. but it's changed. It's ruled by by the other fellows. <laughs> yeah, Twenty four hundred metre vase you're talking about, Merv. Sorry, Chris, what were you going to yeah. say? I was just going to ask Merv: Has anyone ever won a Melbourne Cup or Caulfield Cup and the New Zealand Trotting Cup in the same year? No. No. Is there a chance this uh, year. Um, what's his name that runs ODI? Um, Terry Henderson. Terry Henderson has won a Melbourne Cup and a New Zealand Cup. But no one has won all three. Hmm. Well, there you go. That's something that you've got to aim for this year. Won't be won't be hard. <laughs> 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 always always hard when you don't have the hardware. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. Hey, Merv, really appreciate the time. Congratulations and best of luck on Friday night with the Taylor Mile. Well, I'm just looking at the field again and I, I can't... I, I, honestly, he's a, a, an R120 rated horse. The horse on his inside is a 78. The one on his outside is a 71. A 71. Um, there's only one R120 rated horse in it. Uh, that's self-assured. And he's on the second line, number on the inside of the second line. So everything is tailor-made just about. The cattle will be under the bed again, Merv. <laughs>
Thanks for your and time. I can't, under, I can't understand. He's a dollar sixty on the fixed odds. <laughs> Good luck, Merv. Okay, guys. Chris, I've just got a question from a listener here. Harry uh, Simons, or Simmons, I should say. Harry Simmons sent me a private message on Twitter saying there's a star in New Zealand harness racing. Could Chris provide an update on a Hoka Connor who's in the markets for some of these big ones in Queensland? Yeah, he's a good horse, and we've been talking about him for a little while, Steve. Ahoka Connor's unbeaten. He's part of the Stonewall Stud Operation. Five starts, five victories. $17,500 he cost at the, the um, yearling sales a few years ago. In fact, he was the horse that was sold directly before Merlin went through the, uh, the, the sales that year in Christchurch. So he was a very cheap horse. He was then purchased privately by Stonewall Stud, and uh, he hasn't disappointed. Five starts, five victories. He'll go around as a clear favourite in the Southern Supremacy on Sunday at Invercargill. And as I mentioned yesterday, then they'll make a decision on whether he goes to the paddock. He's a big gangly horse with a lot of filling out to do, or do they keep push on, uh, keep pushing on and look at Queensland? They're fully aware of the Queensland Carnival, but they want the horse to do the talking. So Sunday is going to be D-Day in many ways. Uh, he is expected to win that race. I think he's got barrier one, and he will start a clear favourite. But we'll know more after Sunday whether a Hoka Connor makes the trip to Australia or goes for a break and then gets set for features later in the year in what, New Zealand. What's the track like there at Invercargill, Chris? No, it's a big track. Uh, they'll get every chance. Um, there, there's no excuses. There's no place to hide at that big track there at Ascot Park, Invercargill. So very fair. Uh, so that, that's going to be a good race because he's up against some really nice horses like Wagstar, Cormac Leo. They look pretty promising as well. But going by what he delivered at his most recent start there, where he was able to beat those two horses, oh, I can't see how they beat him. He's a half-brother, um, uh, uh, again, Ahoka Connor, to Brave New Kelly, who's the uh, Group 1 Ladyship Mile winner from this year. There you go. Darren Clayton's with us now, Chris. Darren, good morning. Yeah, morning, Chris. Morning, Steve. How are we today? Well. Very well. Uh, now, that's interesting that that uh, question was posed about a Hoka Connor because um, you, you could easily invite him to the Rising Sun. That's where I want to start with you. So, as we know, two invites have gone out and they've both been accepted. Leap to Fame and Merlin, who's considered to be one of the best three-year-olds in New Zealand. You've got Don't Stop Dreaming. You've got this guy as well, a Hoka Connor. When do you think we will get another invite or how long do they leave it before they make another invite for the Rising Sun? Yeah, you'd like to think that uh, it's not too far away and like we've said, we're starting to build towards that carnival now and um, to be fair, after sort of the next sort of week or two, there's probably a little bit of downtime in terms of bigger races, so um, especially for those aged horses, so it might be the time to lock away a couple more and um, yeah, Hoka Connie certainly got the right credentials uh, at this stage of his career, unbeaten, and um, you know, get another three-year-old in there locked away as well. So that would give us uh, two three-year-olds with an invite. Um, uh, I guess it all comes down to they're still operating off the system of four automatic invites, and uh, from there, the other horses that gain their way through. So, um, yeah, perhaps another three-year-old. I think would, would really sort of boost it and spice it up a little bit um, then you look at what we saw on Saturday night from Speak the Truth and uh, he certainly wouldn't be out of place getting an early invite either. Well that, that was my next question so we're reading from the same hymn book here so 
speak the truth on what he did first up. First up in 11 months, he goes 51-9, winning a feature event there, the APG Gold Bullion. Did he do enough to, to warrant an early invitation, or are we being a little premature there? Yeah, I... Oh, he was building nicely through his three-year-old campaign last year, Chris. We were we were talking about what uh, what three-year-olds we had in Queensland last year coming through, and we were talking about Leap to Fame. We were talking about Danger Zone, Speak the Truth, uh, Tim's a Trooper. Um, you know, there, there was a, a strong bunch of three-year-olds, and he was right in the mix in that conversation. Um, at that stage, we were sort of talking about it. Leap to Fame had won the New South Wales Derby, and that was it sort of this time last year. Um, speak the truth, he went on a bit of a run when he re- resumed to racing for his three-year-old career. So um, when he actually returned to racing, Leap to Fame had sort of gone for a little bit of a break after his New South Wales Derby victory. And Speak the Truth came out and won his first five races in succession. Um, you know, and some good races there. He took out the, the Q-bred breeders, the three-year-old race there, and, um, you know, beat Danger Zone, beat Teddy Disco, beat Bangkok DJ in that race. So um, it's not like he's just burst onto the scene with that win this time around. He was building really well last year in his three-year-old term. It was just unfortunate that he had to have that time off. So... Uh, he's come back and he's come back with a bang and um, it was interesting hearing, uh, I'm not sure whether it was you or or his driver Adam Sanderson said yesterday that um, he was just a little bit more forward than what the the Raboki horses normally are when they come back and um, he was happy enough to to drive him in that that manner. So um, 51-9 first up in 11 months. It's hard enough to win first up in any grade um, in Queensland at the moment, let alone from gate seven in that fashion in a in a feature race so um yeah i I don't think we're we're getting too far ahead of ourselves really Mm, okay so it'll be interesting to see if they invite him or they hold for an interstater or a kiwi racing queensland officials let me pose this one to you it's a hypothetical and it's a big if but say these two horses speak the truth and leap to fame both go to Redcliffe for a race like the Patron's Purse which comes up on uh, what mid-June June 16 I think it is for memory and speak the truth draws say two leap to fame draws nine or ten off the second row is it a foregone conclusion that leap to fame beats speak the truth at a track like that um no I don't think it is I think um, I think that would set it up for a really good race and, and a really, um, you know, it, it would be a good spectacle. I just, um, sometimes some trainers can be um, a little bit hesitant to take the, the top line as to Redcliffe, whether that would play into it. But um, we saw what Leap to Fame did at Tamworth and, that, and that's a tight track, not the three-turn track like Redcliffe is, but... Um, we saw how dominant he was on, on a half-mile track. So we've seen what he's done at Menangle, the 1400. We've seen what he's done at Albion Park and Melton, sort of the 1,000-metre tracks, and, and then Tamworth, a half-mile. So, um, you know, if they're chasing a, a decent enough warm-up race for the carnival, um, yeah, that would, be, that would be some race, that's for sure. Mm, it'll be very interesting, and I, I won't be shocked if they both head that way. So it's unlikely that Speak the Truth goes to Sydney for a, a further shot at APG Glory following his victory last week, and 
and you guys got the news on Leap to Fame last week. So that patron's purse could, could potentially set up. So we'll wait and see there. Two other horses that are generating plenty of interest for the rising sun. Bollinger, who arrived in, uh, in Victoria today. So he's an ex-all-star uh, horse. Uh, previously with Mark and Nathan Purden. He's now in Victoria, and he's been purchased primarily with an eye for the rising sun. Do they look at inviting him? And the other one, uh, being a three-year-old, is the Lost Storm. So he's obviously getting closer because there's a fair bit of talk around about the Lost Storm for Emma Stewart, Clayton, Tonkin. There's also a bit of talk about him for the Eureka and, and gaining a slot there. So where do those sort of horses sit, in your opinion? Bollinger and the Lost Storm. I think the Lost Storm, uh, firstly, I think um, off what we saw during his two-year-old campaign, we haven't cited him back at the races as yet. Um, he wound up his season, uh, was it the Vicbred New Year's Eve? Um, he won that race and won it pretty convincingly. Um, he'd drawn poorly and, and absolutely put his rivals to the sword on that occasion. Um, not sure whether there's really anything come out of that race really to to really step up and say um you know how i guess to line up how good that win was but the the manner in which he did it it was um an absolute demolition job and um we didn't we finished placed in in the breeders crown series uh that was behind school captain on that occasion um he had to do all the work the lost storm drew outside school captain and and uh, just couldn't do the work with school captain going on to, to score a pretty good win. So uh, as far as the lost storm goes, uh, you'd expect him if he comes back stronger and, and a little bit better again. He's certainly one that you could throw in the mix. As for Bollinger, um, yeah, I'm not sure what to read into that. Um, horses that sort of leave the All-Stars on a sale, um, are they generally the better ones? Um, he's owned by... Um, one of the top supporters of the All-Stars in Gene Feist. So, um, you know, just letting one go, how much do we read into that? I'm not sure. He certainly had good credentials before he left. Um, so, yeah, I probably haven't seen enough of his efforts. I'd be keen to see what he can do once he does arrive down there in Victoria. And, um, yeah, he's probably one that's a little bit fringe for mine. Uh and the other side of that is, I guess, we have to have some sort of uh, name change, Chris, because I know there was mm. uh, a Bollinger from some years ago. Yeah, Vic Frost, Gail Geeson had Bollinger. He was shamed on Tart Brothers, so he was well-named. That Bollinger from many, many years ago. The other one that I wanted to ask you this morning, just about our carnival, the Constellations, fast approaching. What do you think RQ need to do, or do you think they should be working overtime to attract uh, those two stars from Perth to get to, to Queensland? magnificent storm for the open class features and the mare wonderful to fly because she could easily start in the rising sun mares are, are unbeaten in the rising sun we had amazing dream and uh, ladies in red last year so they're two for two wonderful to fly could start in the rising sun and then she could back up the following week and the golden girl do you think rq should be sort of trying to you know make it uh, make it possible for these two stars from the west to, to head to the uh, to the brisbane carnival it'd be absolutely superb to see those horses come over the magnificent storm we know how good he was um you know that blip on the radar there from last week in the in the nullarbor race but um 
Yeah, wonderful to fly. Like she had, was at about 12 or 13 wins she'd put together early in her career. Like went on a huge winning streak, just lost away at the end of her campaign, but has come back really well. So, um, you know, there's probably a couple of others there that would also um, be be well suited to the carnival. A horse like Lavra Joe, we were talking about him for the original um, mm. for the Rising Sun there at one stage last year or the year before. And, um, you know, when he was really tearing it up. So, um, you know, he's another horse. And just to that end, Chris, the fact that, you know, we got Racing Queensland as a control body for all three codes should perhaps be looking at, at more along the lines of, um, you know, putting a plane on that also attracts some of the thoroughbreds for the Winter Carnival as well, just to to ease that pressure. And if we could get a plane that, you know, brings half a dozen thoroughbreds, half a dozen standard breads as well, um, you know, it goes to both carnivals then. Mm, yeah, it's interesting. So we'll uh, we'll see how that plays out. Just on the APG, uh, we saw all the action there last week at Albion Park. Uh, Ironclad Moore Sass, the two-year-old winners, Colton Geldings and the Phillies winner, they're likely to push on to Sydney. How do you think they're going to measure up down there? Um, Moore Sass is a bit of a tricky one. I don't... Um, I'd... She's unbeaten. She's three from three, but um, yeah, it, it's hard to line up the opposition. The four hundred thousand dollar race she gets to go in at Menangle, so um, you know you're unbeaten three from three. I guess you've got to roll the dice and, and really see what you've got on your hands. But um, she's done more than enough in those three starts. Ironclad. Um, I was actually reasonably keen on Ironclad to run a place in that race last week. I thought he showed the most upside out of the heats going into that race. A little bit dirty on myself that I didn't uh, didn't follow up and take him on the win as well. If about $16 the win, but um, the $4 a place was certainly good. Um, yeah, I just thought his run in the heat was showed some good upside. And, and another one that's come from a, a Sydney APG sale by Kevin Seymour and, and come out and shown his share of ability. So... Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what sort of path he goes on there. And um, speaking of the other APG heats, um, Shane Graham had Agent Black win on Tuesday at Menangle, a two-year-old trotter having his first start, had trolled and shown his share of ability up here. And he's taken him down there for that two-year-old trot. And um, he's got through to that final with a, a nice win there on Tuesday. Yeah, well, he's going to start a clear favourite for that uh, that final on Saturday week because he was the clear favourite in his heat. I think there was only three that contested the Melbourne heat on Monday. So uh, he is going to run a clear favourite there. Doesn't that just show the evolution of Queenslanders? Here we are. We're going to have an odds-on favourite in a two-year-old trotting feature in Sydney on Saturday week. Yeah, it's crazy to think, like, just where we've come from. And- relatively quickly like I know we've had the trotters probably for about sort of 17 or 18 years or, or near enough since they really started to, to boost up again but you really look at the last sort of three to four years and where we've ended up um, you know they've really really taken off and, and it's great to see and uh, yeah Agent Black he had trialled really well um, against paces mostly because there's not many two-year-old trotters about just at the moment but um yeah, he's certainly, he's a nice, big, rangy type too. Got a big stride. So, um, yeah, be keen to see what he can do in that final. Yep, we had a big standalone trial session on Monday at our, uh, Monday afternoon at Ellabian Park. A couple of interesting horses stepped out. Uh, top of the moment, a new Kiwi trotter. Looked pretty good. Van Sank was awesome winning his trial. 
Backfinders, a well-bred uh, two-year-old for Trent Dawson. That looked pretty sharp there. Uh, our Uncle Nev was able to win a trial. Mullen Axel, the Breeders' Classic winner, he was able to score in a trial. Apollo Dreams, the very talented horse for Mark Ducks, he looked good winning a trial. Cat King Cole, the star mare for, for Darren Weeks and Kylie Rasmussen, she was able to score there. Captain Shuffles and Danger Zone were, were decked going down the back straight, so inconclusive their performances. And the track record holder, Black Sedans, he was able to score. So a couple of nice horses, and as you outline, you can sense that the carnival is fast approaching. Yeah, it was good to see when um, I saw the message last week that there would be no sort of midweek trials, a standalone trial day. I was a little bit, uh, little bit concerned about how well they'd be patronised, but uh, geez, that was a really good trial session there and and some really good performances. I thought Arnie Bella was good, uh, just collared late by Black Sedance in that uh, free for all trial. Cat King Cole, haven't seen her for just on twelve months and got to the front there and was able to, to dictate and, and hold out. Like you said, a little bit inconclusive with Captain Shuffles and Danger Zone, bit of a scrimmage down the back where um, I'm a socialite, got her leg up in the in the gig of, uh, I think it was Bangkok DJ, and uh, caused a bit of grief. But uh, Cat King Cole, um, they hold uh, one of the slots in the Hayden. I think it's Barrier 4, mm. which is a um, perfect spot for Cat King Cole. So... You could probably take from that that that's her likely direction um, early on. Um, Apollo Dreams, he was the other one. I thought he was really good. Um, th- three starts or three wins from four starts. Drew Gate seven and did it tough. And that was actually the, the quickest trial of the day. And um, girl from Rosedale sort of came at him at the end, but he dug in for the fight and was able to win. So um, he's had a little bit of a freshen since his last run. So... Um, he might just build up nicely again um, coming into the carnival as well a, a pretty talented Huntsville three year old Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he gets any sort of interest for the Hayden race as well because uh, I don't think he'd be out of place in a race like that so time will tell but it was a good trial session there on Monday afternoon. We've got 10 of the best coming through from Redcliffe tonight and tonight starts off the Hot Rod Series tonight so races 1 and 2 over the 947 metres so heats will be staged over the the next couple of weeks and the final I think comes up late May. I think it's about the 24th or 25th of May. So we're going to have plenty of action uh, with these races over the next couple of weeks. Uh, how did you see those first two races? Is it clear cut? Um, I thought the first one, I thought I sort of had it half worked out and I've just been uh, gone back and had a lot, another look this morning. I've got Living Free on top. He's a two-time winner at this 947-metre trip. He's first up from a spell here. He had trialled okay. Um, he's now with Ben Crosby. Uh, Ben's had him for his last, through his last prep and won a race with him. So I certainly thought he could be there. Just depends how much pressure BG's best applies. We know he's a real front-running, rolling type, So, but he's drawn out in gate five. So if he presses forward and, and gets across there, um, I guess it depends on the speed, and that would then bring in uh, Heavenly Wisdom. I think she would be the best chance of knocking them off um, if they sort of go to war up front. So I've got Living Free on top, but um, I, I thought Heavenly Wisdom might just be the knockout hope, um, depending on what happened there. That's in that first heat, race one at 5.12. The second one is race two. Um, it was an interesting market when this went up last night. 
the emergency roll-on X was actually listed as the favourite. So uh, he doesn't gain a start now. So we've got equal favourites at the moment with Tab, three Bertles Firefox and five Scooby. I've got to stick with my old mate Bertles Firefox from gate three. He's got the gate speed to lead here and uh, he's ideally suited probably to the one lap format. Um, couldn't couldn't imagine anything inside him holding him out there. You've got My Girl Blazing 2 on it. Um, an interesting one here, a trotter taking on the trot rods in gate one. So, mm. um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that pans out. But um, I think Bertles Firefox in that second one. And uh, it's probably the shortest price he's ever been in in a long time, Bertles Firefox. So um, normally pops up at good odds. He got the got a placing last week, I think, at about $4 a place. So... Uh, and won a couple of runs back at about 20 to 1, so, but he wins that second one, I thought. OK, so 5.12 start time for that first heat tonight, 5.42 for race two, which is heat two. What is your best bet on the card tonight? Yeah, I thought uh, in race four, number one, Tom Cat finally probably gets his opportunity to, to break through for a Queensland win. He drew gate six last time out, was too far back, never really got in the in the race where Midnight Somewhere was able to win. He's had a run of bad gates. He gets gate one tonight and that gives him uh, all the opportunity to uh, either look for the for an all-the-way win or just tuck in behind and, and get that closing shot on them. And that man, N Dawson, from gate one at Redcliffe, be hard-pressed betting against him. Yeah, 270 currently with tab fixed price Tomcat. Race four, number one. Anything else stand out for you tonight? Yeah, I liked uh, one, ra the one race prior, race three, um, Blackjack, Blackjack Bart. He's placed in uh, three of his past four starts, probably in a little bit stronger company than what he meets here. And uh, this race is over the 2040 tonight. A few of these might just sort of get found out by that trip. And I think he gets the right type of card into the race to uh, to be prominent and I thought he gets his opportunity he doesn't win out of turn, he's only had pro I think one win in oh, about 18 months but he's never far away and I thought that chance there tonight looks his, so race 3 horse 9, Black Jack Bart 4.20 with Tam Fixed Price uh, can you throw me some numbers for a quaddy tonight races 5, 6, 7 and 8 yeah, that first leg I thought was a race in two between number one, short leg Sue, gets the gate um, not far away last time, and number four, Artful Jack. Um, he can press forward there. Might have to do some work if they look to go all the way with short leg Sue, so I thought the winner would come from either of those two, one and four. Uh, the the second leg, race six, this is about as open race as you'll get in red at in a Redcliffe race, that's for sure. Um, I've got number seven, Colby Art on top. We'll need a little bit of luck, hoping on the one to lead to, to get him to the passing lane. Number four, Bling the Luck. She's got three on the bounce all at, all at Redcliffe since arriving in Queensland. Number one, Forgive Me, always a good record. And number eight, Monterey Jack. So play wide there, and it could come from even further afield than that. So six last start winners in that race, which is pretty strong. So one, four, seven, eight. The third leg... Um, a tricky little contest here. I've got number two, Tegan Lee, a um, two-year-old filly on top for Graham Dwyer. Throw in number six, Isla and Addy. Um, had two early starts as a two-year-old, went for a break, came back. Um, she's got the wide gate, but I think she's got the ability. And throw in number three, Take Courage. Might just be able to settle close enough to feature. 
and we'll bring it home one out with number two, our Uncle Les. It's his first run at Redcliffe, but um, he took on a much tougher Albion Park race last time out, and he should be able to uh, handle this lot. Race eight, number two, the final leg, one out there. Okay, so those numbers, one and four into one, four, seven, eight, into two, three, six, and we bring it home with number two. Our Uncle Les, is he a full brother to our Uncle Sam? He is, he is, um, out of uh, Rooftop Ferry, I think it is, the um, sports rider Rooftop Ferry he should be, if that's the if that's mm. his breeding, he is a full brother, so um, I was having a bit of a laugh with someone the other day, yeah, that's him, sports rider Rooftop Ferry, um, don't know how many uncles and aunties Chris Frisbee has, because geez, there's a lot of uncles and aunties <laughs> that, he, that he seems to bring up, so um, yeah, yeah. He was back in the winner's circle yesterday for first time this this campaign, so uh, his team's building nicely. Yeah, and so too was Dean Sanofskis yesterday. Father Bob was able to score uh, later in the program. So just in wrapping up tonight, we've got 10 races. First two races are the first two heats of the, the trot rods. Uh, your best bet is race four, number one, Tomcat. You also uh, like the chances of race three, number nine, Blackjack Bart. So action at Redcliffe tonight gets underway at 5.12. Hey, Darren, really appreciate the time this morning. We'll chat again on Friday morning when we do all the form talk for Albion Park Saturday night. Yeah, 11 races to get through, so I better get to it.